Hi there. Good to see you guys. I'm so excited to be able to share with you a little bit of our road trip series. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the road trip today. So when you go on a road trip, you need to have snacks, right? This is my snack of choice, sunflower seeds. I can go anywhere. Any sunflower seeds people out there? I can travel for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles with sunflower seeds. That and a, and a sleeve of Oreos and a Diet Coke, I'm, I'm good to go. So we're going to talk, I think, about one of the, the biggest road trips ever in, in all of Scripture, and that's the book of Acts. I mean, the whole book is basically a road trip from the beginning to the end. And um, the main character in that road trip is the Apostle Paul. And I don't know if you've ever realized this or not, but he traveled by foot mostly over 10,000 miles. He was so passionate about Jesus. That's like going from New York to LA almost four times over, back and forth, 10,000 miles. What I'd like you to kind of get a hold of as we go through this is the book of Acts was written by, by Luke, and, and it's about the disciples of Jesus who are basically saying, he's no longer with us here personally. He's gone up to heaven now. What do we do? What do we do? And really, we fit into this book of Acts. Until Jesus comes again, what do we do? And I want you to know that there's a road trip ahead of you. There's, a, there's this adventure that God calls you to. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. doesn't matter your station in life. doesn't matter your personality, your Enneagram number, or whatever. Your best years are still ahead of you because God has an adventure. So as we look at Paul's life a little bit, I hope that you can um, catch a hold of, of, uh, of what God's wanting to do in your own life. So we're going to look at the 13th chapter of Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn around, turn that with me or turn it on your phone or most of these scriptures are up on the, on the screen. But starting in verse 4, it says this. The two of them, the two of them is going to be Paul and Barnabas. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus, and when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. Now, usually when you're reading through that, that's one of those skip-over verses. It's got all those big words in it. But I want you to see the road trip that Paul did. On this, this is his first missionary trip. So it begins in this map here. There's, a, there's Antioch in the middle here on the right-hand corner. Antioch is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It becomes the center for the Christians um, after Jerusalem. So there's a large contingent of Christians that move, move up to Antioch. It's basically Syria. And um, when, they're, when, when, they're, when the Jerusalem church is trying to figure out what to do with them, they send a guy named Barnabas to be up there with them to, to kind of disciple them. But this is the sending place. Antioch is the very first place Christians are called Christians. Before that, they were never called Christians. And it was a derogatory term, those Christians. It's like mini Christ. Do you think you're a mini Christ, little itty bitty Christ? Is that what you, and the Christians are going, yeah, that's not a bad term. We're going we're gonna to stick with that. So they go to the coast and then they cross over into Cyprus. 
and you can see the two cities that, that they're involved in. And then, and then they cross up the Mediterranean into basically Turkey, into Pamphylia, and then they go around where it's basically Galatians, and all the books of, all the, the writing of the book of Galatians goes to these churches up there. We're going to go as far as crossing over the Mediterranean into Turkey and stop there because we want to be out of here by two or three in the afternoon. But, um, but I hope you catch a little glimpse of this road trip just to kind of see what, what God does because this, this is interesting to me. These two that they talk about, Paul and Barnabas, are actually referred to as Barnabas and Saul. So Saul's name is not yet turned to, changed to Paul. You know Paul. He had the big experience where Jesus shows up and knocks him off the donkey and you know, he, he has this big turnaround in his life. He writes basically two-thirds of the New Testament. You know about Paul. Barnabas you maybe don't know so much about. But Barnabas was the star at this point. He was the rock star of the church. He, he was sent to these Christians in Antioch to help them disciple and, and to teach them what, what, it's, what it's like to follow Jesus. And in fact, when he goes up there, he brings this guy named Saul with him to kind of help him along in this midst. Saul's like the understudy, but he starts to learn under Barnabas, who's known as the encourager. If Barnabas was here today, he'd be going up and down the aisle, shaking your hand, hugging you, encouraging you. Two minutes with Barnabas, you'd be going, I can do anything. I can, I can face whatever I'm facing. I love Jesus. I love Barnabas. I love the church. I love, I love everybody. I mean, he's just that kind of guy that just brings out the best in you. Barnabas, Saul, there's a couple guys that are along on this journey that, that you don't pay much attention to. One is John, who's really known as John Mark. I'm going to talk to him about him in a second. And the other one is a silent partner, but he's there on every trip. He's there on your road trips as well. I just referred to him as the Apostle Murphy. You know about the laws of Moses. Do you know about the laws of Murphy? Nothing is as easy as it looks. Everything takes longer than you think. If anything can go wrong, it'll go wrong. The Apostle Murphy travels with Paul and Barnabas. And frankly, he travels with you guys as well. Because you think that once you come to Jesus and you go on this road trip with him, everything is going to be perfect. Peaceful, joyful, bells ringing, songs singing, violins playing, clouds, cotton candy, the whole deal. And there are days like that. There's a lot of days when the Apostle Murphy just has full sway in your life. He'll be traveling through this, this, this journey. John Mark is who I call your attention to because the reason we stop in Pamphylia is his, his journey stops there. John Mark is a younger guy. He, um, he, uh, he's introduced in Acts in the chapter before this because, remember Peter, James, and John, the disciples, Peter, James? Peter and James are, are uh, in prison. James is killed. Peter is still in prison. And a group of Christians gather together in John Mark's mother's house to pray. 
So it's probably a big house. There's servants there, so it's probably a pretty affluent house. And they're praying all night long. Oh, God, help Peter. Oh, God, release, release Peter. Give him freedom. Get, be, protect him. Give him, bring him back to us. On, they're just praying, praying, praying. Peter, in prison, is chained with both of his arms to a guard. He has centurions and guards all around him. He's in this locked cell under the, the, this big, huge gate in this prison. And he goes to sleep. He's got the peace that passes understanding. He's sleeping. These guys are still praying. In the middle of the night, an angel appears, breaks the chains off of Peter. I don't know if he put the, the guards to sleep or like angel tased them or something, but they're out. And he, he just walked out, the doors open up. He comes to this gate and it goes, and it just opens up and he's free. And he says at this point, I thought I was just dreaming. I thought it was a vision. And all of a sudden, I'm free. And the angel leads him to the doorstep of John Mark's mother's house. And he starts rapping on the door. And the servant girl comes in the middle of the night to look in. It's Peter. She can't believe it. She throws up her hands and runs back in. Peter's, Peter's here. Peter's here. He's free. Peter's here. And they're going, shh, 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 shh. We're praying. We're praying. Would you just be, oh, God, help no, Peter, he's out there. So they open the door. Peter comes in. He tells the story. They're amazed at what is happening. They're all rejoicing. Now, I don't know if John Mark was there or not. I have a feeling he might have been. If not, he certainly heard from his mother about what was going on. And he's going, wow, wow. In fact, he probably knew Peter as he was an early follower of Jesus. He, um, in fact, wrote notes down from Peter so that when he wrote the book, the Gospel of Mark, a lot of it is the words of Peter that he shared, the, the memories and the, the recollections, the memoirs of Peter. In the end of that book, Mark, it talks about a young man who was captured in the garden with Jesus, and the soldiers grabbed a hold of him, grabbed his cloak, and he he took the cloak off and started running naked through the garden. That's John Mark. It's in your Bible. You're going like, what the? That, it's in your Bible. As Matt says, read your stinking Bible. That, it's there. That's John Mark. He, he was there with Jesus when he was crucified. He was there and watched him suffer and die. He was there for the resurrection. He saw all that going on. He saw Peter and Peter's denial of Jesus three times. He may have been in the upper room. At least he heard about the upper room when, when Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit came and rattled and shook that place. And then he saw Peter, who once denied Jesus, stand up and start, and start to preach some of the most powerful messages ever preached. 3,000 people in one day come to Jesus. Peter stands up again and speaks 5,000 people. He watched lame people walk again. He watched blind see. He watched miracles happen. He was connected to Jesus. He was connected to Peter. And Barnabas is his cousin. And he's experiencing all this amazing stuff. 
And Paul, Saul, and Barnabas go to Antioch, and they go on this trip because in the first few verses of that scripture, the, the people gather around. There's preachers and teachers and prophets. They lay hands on, on, on Paul and, and, and Barnabas, and they, they send them out. And they said, you know what Jesus said? When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be witnesses. You'll have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be witnesses to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the earth. And this is time to go to the ends of the earth. And you too are going to begin this whole thing. Go to the ends of the earth. Tell them about Jesus. All this powerful stuff that's happened. And they go, all right, we're on it. We're going, and we're going to bring John Mark with us. And John Mark is going, yes. Can you believe it? I get to go on the very first road trip for Jesus to this world of Gentiles. I can't believe they chose me. I've seen powerful miracles. I've seen thousands of people come to the Lord. And now we're going to Cyprus, which is the home of Barnabas, and I'm going to be on the the threshing floor of this thing, the, the cutting edge of this whole thing. So they sent on their way to Cyprus. They're on the, the Royal Mediterranean cruise. <laughs> John Mark sitting up on the deck with these two guys. Uh, give me another one of those little umbrella drinks, would you? We're going to have, and Cyprus was called the Happy Isle. Now, who doesn't want to take a cruise to the Happy Isle? Happy Isle, we're going on a way. We're going to see thousands of people brought to the Lord. It's going to be so great. And they get there to that first city in Cyprus. And it says they went into the synagogues. There are a few synagogues in Cyprus and at Salamis. And John was their helper. And, and it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything about it. The synagogues which leads me to believe nothing happened. Otherwise, they'd say like 100 people came to the Lord or somebody was healed of this, this disease or malady. Nothing, silent. So it goes from this unbelievable expectations of what God's going to do to this nothing, nothing. In verse 6, it says, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Paphos is about 150 miles away from the eastern part of this island to the western part of the island. They travel probably about 10 miles a day walking. Limited food, no place to stay or sleep. I don't know if there's any more synagogues around. And they're traveling on this road trip. They don't even have sunflower seeds. They're just traveling. And it's nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing. There, things started to change. In fact, Barnabas, who's the encourager, going, hey, hang in here, John Mark. Just hang in here, buddy. It's going to get good. Oh, I'm telling you, it's going to change. It's going to change. Just, it, just hang on, John Mark. Just, just stick with us now. It, you know, God, sometimes it takes a little while, but it's going to kick in, don't you? Worry. Well, it, it changes for the worse. There they met a Jewish sorcerer false prophet named bar jesus who was attendant of the proconsul sergius paulus the proconsul an intelligent man sent for barnabas and saul because he wanted to hear the word of god so they meet this sorcerer this false prophet 
and they're going, hey, how are you? We're here to tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. What's your name? Bar-Jesus. Bar means son. We're here to tell you about Jesus. What's your name? Son of Jesus. How'd you like that one? He probably really never had heard of Jesus of Nazareth. But Jesus means salvation, and he's going, son of salvation. I'm the sorcerer, I'm the false prophet. I'll tell you how to get saved around here. I'm the one that people turn to. I'm the spiritual leader. Bar, bar Jesus. Ten of the proconsul, who's like the governor. And the proconsul says, I, I want to hear about the word of God. I'd like to listen. And now an opportunity arises. So nothing, 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 nothing. Opposition, opportunity. How do you know on your road trip when you are like doing what God calls you to do? There's opportunities that open up. The doors open up. How do you know when a door opens up? Because usually there's opposition along with it. And usually when a door opens for you, there's always some opposition. Here the door opens up, and they start to, they start to tell the, the story of Jesus. And in verse 9, it says, But Elimus, the sorcerer, this Bar-Jesus guy, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. He doesn't debate Paul and Barnabas. He doesn't, he doesn't try to get in an argument. His main thing is he wants to keep this governor from becoming a follower of Jesus because it's going to mess his life up. His livelihood is being a sorcerer. And if the governor <laughs> becomes a Christian, he's not going to employ a sorcerer anymore. So he's concerned that he keeps the gospel away from these guys. Only time I've ever experienced anything quite like this, Lori and I, a number of years ago, early 90s, we went to Athens, Greece, and we were helping train some pastors in the Mediterranean, and there were people, pastors, probably about 25 or so from all over the, that area, from Spain, um, from, there's a group of students from Lebanon, there were some, uh, but somebody from Germany, Serbia, Italy, Egypt, a bunch of, bunch of pastors that gathered, and uh, they had the bright idea that as we would go through the day training them, that in the evening we would go out and we'd hold services in the, the city park. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a, a common occurrence back there and that you can just go and you can talk about everything you want. And so the guy who was leading the thing said, okay, we're going to have these, these students from Lebanon. They're going to start singing a song, and, and there will be a crowd that starts to gather. I'm going, you're kidding me? No, we're, we'll stand. We'll be a little choir. We'll start singing, and, and a, a group will come. And then, Don, we want you to preach. It's called street preaching. I'm stupid enough to say yes. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you'll be great, Don. You'll be great. You'll, they'll, they'll, yeah. Okay, I'll sign me up. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I, I, I have enough trouble talking to you guys. I'm talking to a bunch of people I don't know in Athens, Greece, with an interpreter. And so we went out there, sure enough. They start singing, people start gathering. I mean, by the scores. They start gathering around this big circle. And when they're done, they turn it over to me. And I get up there, and I go, um, um, 
for, for God, for God, so, for God so loved the world. Um, and I mean, as soon as the, I start talking, this car alarm goes off. Beep, 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 beep. For the whole time I'm talking, beep, 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 beep. As I'm talking, a little lady, about four foot tall, comes and stands right in front of me, like right where that front step would be. She's got a suit on, a hat. She's got her, her pocketbook that she's got folded up in her arms, and she starts babbling. Well, it was probably Greek or something. It was all Greek to me. That's all I know. <laughs> and she's just, ah, blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm going, God, God, uh, God so loved the world that he forgot my words, but I'm trying to remember. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep. And she started out quiet, and she got louder and louder, and the interpreter leans into me and goes, louder, Don, louder. God so loved the world that he got his only son. And then I'm, I'm trying to go through, and beep, beep, loud. Amazing thing to me, I, when I finally got done, I landed the plane pretty quick. <laughs> the beeping stops. The lady turns around and walks away. And the idea was that everybody in our group would find somebody to talk to about the message. Hey, what would you think about that guy, what he had to say? And there was over a half a dozen languages that were represented in our group. Everyone found somebody in their own native tongue to speak to and, and, and talk about this. And we had dinner afterwards, and we brought five people back with us to have dinner that accepted Jesus. It's an amazing thing. And we're downloading this whole thing at the end. And the, the students from Lebanon, they want to go back out because they can't believe they can share Jesus in public. And they're going back out and they say, Don, you want to come? I'm, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I got I to gotta do this again next, you know, tomorrow. And we start talking about that. Don, what would you think about that? Did you hear the beeping? And did you know it quit? Like when I quit talking, it went off. Did you hear that? And who was that little lady, that little munchkin lady? She was like that. And, uh, and the interpreter that was, that was there said, oh, man, I'll tell you what. She was praying you down. She was, try she was cursing you. She was throwing all kinds of curses at you. She was just going on. And I go, what, was she like a demon lady or something? She goes, no, she's from the Orthodox Church. And she's trying to guard people from hearing these foreigners come in with the gospel that might pull them from the Orthodox Church because that messes everything. And so she's, you are more of a, of a threat to her than, than paganism because she's protecting her, her place. That's what this sorcerer was. He, he was. he was just trying to protect himself and to keep the, the pro-council from knowing anything about Jesus. And so he... He opposes the, 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 the people, and, and uh, in, in verse 9, it says, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of wicked, 
all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Paul wasn't really like seeker sensitive to notice. If if after the service I'm out in the in the lobby there going, you're a child of the devil. I promise you, most of you are not going to go. Well, Don, he's he's full of the Holy Spirit today. <laughs> in that great, look at him go. Hey, child of the devil, come on over. <laughs> Here's Paul. He's calling out that you are a child of the devil. Verse eleven: The hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind, and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Absolutely, he believed. You would too if you were standing there watching that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And in the most unbelievable miracle, there's one convert. One. It's pro-counsel. One. Nothing, 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 nothing. Opposition, one convert. Barnabas, hey, maybe we ought to get in the boat and head up to Turkey. This may not be the best place for us. Let's find something better. So in verse 13... From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Nothing, 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 nothing. Opposition. On this boat ride, they say it's one of the most dangerous currents around in the Mediterranean. It ends up in a bunch of cliffs. It's very dangerous to even get off the boat there. And once they're there, there was a malaria outbreak. And probably Paul gets malaria because when he writes to the Galatian church, he says, when I was among you, I was sick. And John Mark is going, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to come to the happy aisle. I came to watch thousands of people respond to Jesus. I came to see the, the great miracle work of God. It's been nothing, 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 nothing. Some weird demon-looking dude. Opposition. One convert. We All this praying, all this fasting, all this work, all this trap. One convert. And now Paul's sick. No food. No place to stay. And he goes back to Jerusalem. I'm done. Now you're saying, what? you're being kind of mean on John Mark, aren't you? Kind of being mean to the poor little guy. Well, if you read a little bit further in some of Paul's writings, he says this. Mark was a deserter. He deserted us. He turned tail and ran when we needed him the most. And Paul is done with him. Barnabas goes back with John Mark and tries to salvage him. Paul goes on, but he goes, I'm done with this guy. Can't trust him. Can't trust him. Deserter. Wow. The Apostle Murphy showed himself very strong in that road trip. And some of you are going on a road trip right now, and the Apostle Murphy is the loudest voice you hear. 
What do you do when the Apostle Murphy shows up on your walk with the Lord? I want to give you just two things. They're not great profound things. I don't even want to put it on a slide because you won't need it. I just want you, to, I want you to say it. I want you to say these things. Here's the first one. Are you ready? I am sent. I am sent. Will you say that with me? I am sent. Paul did not turn back because he knew more than anything else. I am sent. I am I'm on mission from God. I will not turn back. And he faced horrific things on his road trip. But he kept going. God is a sending God. God sends. God sent Abraham to, to be a blessing to the world. God sent Jesus to this earth to come and to seek and to save the lost. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sends us. We're sent. Every one of us. We think we come to God and he, he saves us from our sins and indeed he does that, but he doesn't stop there. He sends us to make a difference, to make an impact. He sends us onto road trips where the Apostle Murphy shows up all the time. He sends us to a life that's not easy and clean and, and without problems. He sends us in order to be salt and light. He sends us. And we got to get in our minds until he comes back again or until I go to, to heaven. I, I'm sent. I'm here for a reason. I've, I'm called by God to make a difference, to do something. I'm sent. Usually when we want to fall away, when we want to back off, we want to ease up, it's because we don't, we don't recognize our sentness, if you will. There's a pattern as we follow Jesus. It's like, I come to Christ through faith and he saves me. I, I, uh, at that point, um, I, I start to use my gifts. I recognize I have some gifts and so I'll, I'll get involved in ministry, I'll get involved in a church or a village, I'll start using those things. And as I do, the next step is that I start to become sensitive of God's spirit, that he's using me, that he's empowering me, that he's working in my life. And in the, in the New Testament, in, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and fills a person up and sends them with power so that that book of Acts is constantly being sent. But we get short-circuited. We get, Jesus is saving me of my sins, so I'm going to go to heaven. I might volunteer every now and again. And then we stop there. And God says, my Holy Spirit comes. Can you recognize that? And empowers you to be salt, to be light, to go to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, the ends of the earth. And we go, oh, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross and suffered for me and went through all this bleeding and all that kind of stuff that I might become a believer and life might be better for me and I can have eternal life and and then he sends his Holy Spirit to empower me so that I can actually have enough strength to come back to church next week 
wow, that was a, that was a lot of price to pay to come back and be a spectator for the next week again. No, he sends us. He wants to make a difference in our life. I'm sent. Now, don't let the scope of things cause you to lose sight of your sentness. For Barnabas and Paul, it was hundreds of miles, thousands of miles. It was reaching people by the hundreds and thousands. It was taking on the forces of evil. For some of you, it might be similar to that. But more than likely, perhaps it's scaled down from that. You're sent. Husbands, you're sent to your family. Wives, you're sent to your family to make a difference. You're, you're sent down the hall in your office. Maybe you're sent to middle school camp, like Sarah just shared. Maybe you're sent to track camp this summer. Maybe you're, you're sent to, to the, the person at Starbucks or whatever, but you, you recognize that there's a sentness about you because we lose, we lose our impact, we lose our, our strength, we lose our destiny when we don't recognize and realize that we're sent. I came across a, a little quote, I love this, this morning. It says this guy by the name of Dan White, who's an author, he says this, we have oversold the personal relationship with Christ. We've unintentionally cultivated a narcissistic, individualistic, self-help imagination for relating with God. In this framework, God's mission is an afterthought. Community is an addendum. Holiness is stop sinning. If you can't say amen, you can at least say ouch. Our Christian faith has just become all about me, 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 me. And God says, I want to advance the kingdom. I want you to be on a mission for me. I want you to take a road trip, take an adventure. It's the greatest thing you'll do in your life when all of a sudden you're out on the line and if God doesn't show up, nothing happens. And you see God real and alive because you've ventured out of the circle of comfort into where he's calling. I am sent. may not be easy, but you'll meet him. You'll meet him in that adventure of your sentness. So I'm sent. Second thing, I will not quit. I will not quit. Would you say that with me? I will not quit. We live in a culture that quits everything. We quit our marriages. We quit our education. We quit our jobs. We quit our church. We quit our faith. We quit our parenting. We, we quit. We quit so easily. We just quit. And Mark says, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't expect this. I, I quit. I don't, I don't want to overhype it. I don't want this to be a motivational message. I'm just asking you this. Don't quit. Don't quit. Just don't quit. Keep at it. It'll get better. Don't. Don't quit. Same road, same opposition, same lack of success. Mark quits. 
John Mark quits. Paul goes on. Here's what I love. Here's what I love about John Mark. When Paul is at the end of his life, he's waiting basically to be killed in prison. And he has Luke with him. And he writes a note to Luke to give to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, would you come visit me in prison? I don't know how much longer I had to live. And I'd like you to bring my books. And I'd like you to bring um, my jacket. It's kind of chilly in here. And oh yeah, can you bring John Mark? He's so useful to me. Somewhere along the line, John Mark got back up. He quit once, but he got back up at least again. And he writes the gospel of Mark. You get knocked down seven times, get up eight times. Don't quit. Don't quit. It's always too early to quit. It's never too late to get back up. Don't quit. We're going to end our service today and I'm going to dismiss you to go on your way, but you might want to come pray. And there are some people down here that love to come and, and pray with you, or you want to just come sit up here and pray by yourself, or I'll be glad to pray with you. But perhaps, perhaps you're, you're just you're sensing this call in your life of an adventure, of a road trip, and you want to be used by God, and you want to just say, yeah, I want, to, I want to enter into my sentness. I want to get out of my little circle of myself, and I want, to, I want to be used by God. Maybe you're at a point somewhere where you're just, you're just ready to quit. In your faith, in your marriage, life. Maybe we can just be kind of like Barnabas and encourage you and pray for you. Maybe you have quit. Maybe you're on the sidelines. You're down. And you can get back up today. We'd love to pray with you. You stand with me. Lord Jesus, as we leave this place, I thank you for the recognition that we, that we have, that you have called us. You have sent us to this world. Thank you for this church. I love this church. I love these folks. May we step into who you have and what you have for us through Jesus. Bless those that go on their way today. For those that want to come forward and pray a little bit and spend some time with you, speak through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.